which means we have a lot of people traveling back today, so pray for all of your friends and church members and everyone for that matter who's traveling back. Uh, but today we're starting a new series on the book of Galatians, and the basically what it's about is choosing to live in freedom every day. And, uh, you know, a lot of the sermons I do are topic-driven. They're on topics, overcoming fear, you know, helping you with your finances, things like that. But at least once or twice a year, we like to just take a book of the Bible and go line by line, verse by verse, uh, so that you can begin uh, to really get a grasp on the Bible and really understand some of the historical parts of it and how it was written. And uh, if you don't know this, most of the books in the New Testament, uh, you know, they're, they're written for new Christians. They're written for people who had recently uh, just given their lives to Jesus and the purpose of, of the New Testament books was to give them a solid foundation uh, for, for their lives, you know, to teach them important doctrinal truths uh, that would help them in, in, you know, in their Christian life. And the majority of the books in the New Testament were written by the Apostle Paul. Now, the word apostle lets us know that Paul wasn't a pastor. He was a church planner. And Paul assembled a team of of, of many uh, many women, and they they would basically go into a, into a different area, a town, a village, a city, and usually most of most of uh, the church plants they were outside of Israel, and actually most of them are in what is today modern day Turkey, just a little bit north and west of Israel, and so basically Paul would go into a town, and he would just start meeting with people, talking with people, and after they had led a few people to the Lord into a relationship with Jesus, he would stay there a while or, or leave some of his team members there, and they would, they would uh, you know, teach these Christians and set in a pastor and church leadership. And because uh, if you think about it, when Christianity was spreading, uh, there were no Christian churches in, in, in these towns. And so they started planting churches all over the Mediterranean world, all over, uh, you know, modern-day Turkey just to help people. And how they, what they would do is, after they left, Paul would write letters to them, and he they would send letters back to him by a carrier, and he would send letters to help them with all the difficulties and all the things that were that were you know coming into the church and things the church were dealing with, and uh, these letters were just were called epistles, and so if you hear the Pauline epistles, that's just the letters that that Paul wrote, uh, you know, to the to the different churches, and. Uh, you think most so most of the books in the New Testament were actually letters, these, these epistles written to churches. So like first and second Corinthians were letters that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Uh, Philippi, uh, Philippians was was the letter written to the church at Philippi, and, and Colossians was the letter written to the the the, the church at Colossae. And uh, on and on, and then some of the books in the New Testament, some of the Pauline epistles were were directly written to a pastor. First and Second Timothy were written to Paul's spiritual son Timothy, who was pastoring, uh, you know, the, the, one of the most important cities in the world at that time, Ephesus. Another one was the letter to Titus, and Titus eventually pastored uh, the church on the island of Crete. So the the book of Galatians, when it says, you know, uh, the book written to the churches in Galatia. And so Galatians wasn't one church, it was a, it was a group of churches in modern-day Turkey in what in the ancient region called Galatia. And what happened is, is that after Paul left the church in Galatia, 
a major problem developed. Some Christian Jews, and they're actually called Judaizers in the Bible, this group of Jewish Christians came in to the church after Paul left, and they, they really started putting a burden on these Gentile Christians. Uh, you know, most of the people that Paul reached were Gentiles. A Gentile is just anyone who's not Greek, who's not Jewish. And so um, these new Gentile Christians, these Judaizers came in, and, and, and they loved the Lord, and they were Christians, but they started putting all these burdens on the Gentile believers. They started telling them that you have to become like a Jew. You have to live like a Jew to, fo- to be a true follower of Jesus, and you, know, you have to be circumcised just like the Jews are, and you have to follow the law. And, uh, and, and so you know, here Paul has been teaching them about finding freedom in Christ, and then right after he leaves, these Judaizers, these Jewish people come in and really just start putting a burden on them. And this is one of the major issues in the New Testament, and I, I think I'm going to show you during this series and, and today that this is one of the main problems we have in church today. And one of the main problems is, what is your approach to following Jesus going to be? I mean, it, you have to understand what that is, or, or, or you, you know, your Christian walk will not, it'll, it'll be a struggle for you. So let's go, I'm going to read Galatians chapter 1, verse 1 through 7, and that's going to be our text for the day. It says, Paul, an apostle sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers and sisters with me. Again, that's, that's talking about the team that would travel uh, with Paul. To the churches, again, plural, to the churches in Galatia, in the, in the region of Galatia. Uh, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, when we get down to verse 6 and 7, the next two verses, this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time today. I think verse 6 and 7 are the pivotal verses for the whole book of Galatians. So, um, you know, if you... I encourage you to reach the book of Galatians. It's not long. You can probably do it in 30 minutes. But the rest of chapter 1, it's basically just talking about, about how Paul came to be an apostle. It talks about how after he was saved, he went away to Arabia for three years and received a direct revelation from, from Jesus Christ. It's, an, it's really, it really is talking about his authorship and, and his authority given to him uh, by the Holy Spirit and by Jesus. But let's look at verse 6 and 7. Paul says, I am astonished. That word astonished there, you can see Paul's getting a little bit of an attitude. He's a little bit frustrated. Do do any of you ever get a little bit frustrated? Come on now. So now that's how Paul's at. He's He's just spent all this time in these churches. And he's laid out the gospel, everything they need to do. And this group of Judaizers come in, it's messing everything up, and and Paul's like, man, I am astonished. I cannot believe, I cannot believe that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And and, uh, you know, I think even today, sometimes we, we, you know, we hear about, you know, different things going on in Christianity or things that are done in the name of Christianity. And we're like, well, that's not right. Well, that's not right. They're, 
they're perverting the gospel of Jesus. And so some of you may be saying, you know, I didn't even know that there were two gods. Well, there are. There are two gospels. And, and uh, you know, Paul says that one of them is actually no gospel at all. He's like, the one that, that they're trying to get you, they're confusing you with is no gospel at all. So there are actually two different approaches to having a relationship with Jesus. And one, one approach um, is, not, is not the gospel at all. Now, the word gospel means good news. That's all. So the gospel of Jesus is good news. So Paul's saying one is good news and one is not good news. And uh, so one approach is good news and the other one is not. One approach brings freedom and the other one really brings hardship, difficulty, and you could say legalism. So these Jews came behind Paul and started teaching uh, that these Gentiles, they had to be circumcised, they had to follow the law. And if you know way back in the Old Testament, God, God ordained that the Jewish nation be physically circumcised, all, all of the males, and I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable, but I have to explain this, um, that to, to, to show a distinction between them and, and the nations around them. And of course, you know, by grace, the, the story for us today is God doesn't care if you're physically circumcised. He just wants your heart to be circumcised to follow Jesus. Uh, that, that's all it means. But, but they came in and they were just, you know, these, the Jewish nation had so, so many laws and so many rituals that no one could live that way. Even the religious leaders couldn't do it. And so here they are. They see these new Christians, these Gentiles, so happy and following Jesus. And they want to throw, they just want to throw the law on top of them. And, of course, the, to make matters worse, these Gentiles, you know, they may have been 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. And so now you're telling all, the, all these Christian men in the church that they have to be circumcised. Now, of course, the Jews were circumcised on the eighth day, which means you don't remember it. But how many of you know you will remember it if you're 30s, 40s, 50s? You're going to remember that one for a while. And, you know, there's actually a lot of humor in the Bible, people don't understand. But in Acts 15, the Jerusalem Council they actually had a whole meeting on do all these Gentile converts have to be physically circumcised to become church members? And, of course, the answer was no. It's under grace. I mean, think about it. Can you imagine if in our membership class to join Family Life, you, you had to, we had a surgery room for you and you just had to get to it? I mean, that quickly becomes a female-only class. You know, yeah, you ask your husband, honey, you come into member growth track. I'm going to wait in the car, but you can join for it. You, you're the spokesman for the family. And, uh, but, but again, um, it's, it's not just circumcision. It was the law, too, and all this cumbersome things. How many, let, me, let, me, let me just tell you something right now. Following Jesus is very simple. Following Jesus is very simple. It's not hard. Uh, you know, it's very simply outlined. Now, it may not be easy to do sometimes, but, but it, it's very straightforward. It's, Jesus didn't come to put all these laws and all these restrictions and all these things upon us. Jesus came to make following him a really, really simple. And uh, so Paul had taught them about living in relationship with Jesus by grace. It's a relationship. And they came in behind him and threw on uh, rules, duty, obligations, hardships. You know, one of the things I noticed, <clears throat> and you will too now that I've talked about it, but anytime you go and you're talking with somebody and they, they say Christianity hasn't worked for me or I had a bad church experience or 
Christians are mean. What they're saying is, when I was growing up, I was exposed to what Paul would call the other gospel, which is no gospel at all. Let me give you an illustration. I was at the gym one day, and um, I was at the gym, and, you know, there's all these people at the gym, and there's just this one guy that just, I'm just being honest with you, he's a little bit obnoxious, he's, you know, he has an opinion on everything, he's loud, he's kind of obnoxious, and, and so I, I, you know, I, I, I just, in my heart, I just decided I didn't need to talk to him, so I'm trying to avoid him throughout the gym. Well, when I, whenever I finish the workout, I go down uh, to the sauna, and I, I like, and that's my peace. I get in the hot room, and I sit there. So I'm sitting down there after my workout, getting ready to leave, and I, I have my sauna all to myself. There's no one else in it, but somebody was coming. It was the guy I had avoided for an hour up in the, up in the gym, right? And he comes in, so, you know, I, I don't want to be rude, so I put my head down. Now, if someone puts your head down, that's a sign that you don't want to talk. If you're on a plane and somebody puts on earphones, it means they don't want to talk. But but some of you just have to talk. And so he comes in and he asks me, I'm putting my head down, and he asks me, hey, man, so what do you do for work? You know, then I, that's always the point where I always contemplate, ask Holy Spirit, do you want me to lie? Because if I say I'm a pastor, it always makes people get weird, you know, and things like that. So I said, I said, hey, I'm a pastor. And he came right back. He's like, well, I don't like Christians at all. And I said, okay. Uh, I said, yeah, I understand. Uh, sometimes Christians bother me too. He said, well, you have to like Christians. You're a pastor. I said, I know, but a lot of them bother me. That's why, you know, a number of years ago, I just started my own church so I could get away from, you know, some of the ones that bother me so much, you know. And he, so anyway, but I knew what was going on. I knew what was going on in his mind. He had a bad experience in church. He was raised in a church where there was legalism, and it was critical, and it was harsh, and no one wants that. I mean, that you know, Jesus came to set us free, and if your church is making you feel worse about yourself, why go? So millions of people in America have decided they're never going to go to church again, even though there's many good churches that, that, that take the, the right approach to Christianity, the true gospel. And, and, you know, so I, I started talking to him, and I said, you know, I said, there's really actually a lot of good churches, and there's a lot of good Christian people, but I said, you do know that there's two approaches to Christianity. And I said, the one I'm after is just about a relationship with Jesus. And so then he, he you know, then he said, well, I like to drink. What does Jesus think about that? I'm like, this guy just doesn't want to be saved, you know? I mean, I'm trying. This guy just is. And I said, you know what I think? I said, I, I don't think Jesus cares too much about how much you drink or party right now, but I think he cares about you. And I said, once he meets you, he can talk to you about the other stuff. And he's like, well, I'd never heard that before. I said, well, it, you know, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible, you know? And so, but we're, we're, we're just talking. I said, but, you know, I said, really, there's two approaches, and you got the, you were raised with the wrong approach. Christianity is not about criticism, condemnation, rules, what you do, how good you are, how good you think you are, what position you are in the church. Christianity is about having a relationship with Jesus and, and just being in a love relationship with Jesus because if you do that, he will tell you what you need to change. He'll, he'll, he'll speak to you personally. But there's two ways, you know, and no, as far as no, no one likes to be around a critic. No one likes to be around someone who's always putting stuff on them. 
We want to be around people who, who, who give us the power to, to be, you know, set free. And, you know, when, when, when we, he was actually kind of quiet after that for a few minutes. And when he, I, was, I was leaving, I said, hey, man, nice to, nice to be with you again sometime. And never saw him again, but he said, hey, I, I want to tell you something. He said, thank you for explaining that to me. He said, I haven't been to church for 20 years. But all of my memories of church and Christians are terrible. And, you know, he said, uh, you're not so bad, so may, maybe my view is wrong. Maybe there really are, and, and, and there are, but, but there's two approaches to Christianity. Now, think about this. When Jesus came to earth, the religious leaders in Israel, the Pharisees, Sadducees, they hated him. Why did they hate him? Because they were all about following the law, and you have to do everything by the law. And you, it was all about works. And Jesus came talking about a relationship. And the two, the two gospels clashed. There was a clash, and Jesus was going to lepers, and he was going to adulterous women, and he would touch them and tell them, sin and go no more. You know, and the religious leaders were like, oh, no, no, not just sin no more. They got to do all this. And there was, there was a clashing, and Jesus just simplified Christianity. And so the same thing happened now. This story in Galatians is happening, you know, just a few years after Jesus walked on earth, and the same thing happened. Paul went from his revelation with Jesus Christ, and he talked to him how to how to have a relationship with Jesus and, and what that does in your life. And, you know, all you need to do is you surrender your heart to him. It's, it's total surrender. And then you get to live in the grace that Jesus gives you. And right after that, they're living in freedom for a little bit. And then, you know, <clears throat> not, not too long after that, these Judaizers come in and, and, and just started messing everything up. And so the book of Galatians is a manual on how to live in freedom every day of our lives, living in relationship with Jesus by grace. So I, I just want you to think about this. You know, what is your approach to following Jesus? What, what is your approach? Your approach will determine whether you live in freedom or not. The approach of people around you will determine whether you live in freedom or not. Now, let me, if you know me, you know this, but let me just, I'm not talking about we just go out and sin and live and live terrible lives and say, well, we're under grace. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying, though, is to, to live a holy life, it's a whole lot better to be in love with Jesus and let the Holy Spirit tug on your heart and tell you things than it is to have people beat you over the head. And, and it's two different approaches. So here's, here's the question. I'm going to do it. My talk today is called Living in the Tree of Life, but I have to ask you a question first. The question is this. For all of us is how am I going to be godly? How, how am I going to be godly? And the, and the question is this, what is my approach to following Jesus? What is my approach to Christianity? What's it going to be? And if you think about it, every major religion in the world has an approach to becoming godly. There's something you have to do. In every world religion, there's something you have to do to be godly in Christianity uh, you know, is no different, and the Bible talks about the different approaches a person can take, and this is foundational to your Christian life, because we don't want to become like the religious leaders, and we don't want to become like the Judaizers. We want to follow the way that uh, that Jesus talked about, and this idea is so important that we find a story, it's, it's in Genesis, the first part of the Bible, first book of the Bible, 
right after God creates uh, the earth and humanity, the first story after that is a story about the tree of life. And I want to take you there for a minute, and we're going to talk about uh, this approach this morning. Galatians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So right here in the beginning, we see that God gave Adam and Eve a choice as to how they would approach him. Would it be through the tree of life? Or, or would it be, um, you know, the tree of life really represents, you know, living in a relationship with Jesus. The tree of the knowledge of evil, it represents a worldview based on knowledge. That, that's, that's the difference, okay? And let's continue reading Genesis chapter 2, 16 through 17. And it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And again, how you approach God determines your spiritual health. One approach is life-giving, and the other one is life-draining. Um, are you going to approach God by rules, religion, by duty? If you do that, it won't only kill your walk with the Lord. It'll also kill your relationship. It'll kill your marriage. It, it, it'll, it'll kill everything if you live out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now let's get to the part where, uh, you know, they, they eat of it. Genesis 3, verse 1 through 7. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, God, Did God really say that you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? But, but God did say, uh, You must not eat from, from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Look, at, look what the devil says. You will not certainly die, the servant said to the woman, for God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. I want you to notice here that the devil did not tempt Eve with being rebellious against God. She, he tempted her and said, if you do this, you will actually be godless. You will be like a God yourself. So he tempted her. The devil appeared to her desire to be godless. It, it, that's something to think about. You know, uh, knowing good and evil, again, world, worldview, you will be able to control your godliness. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now, a little bit later, um, God approached them in the garden. He, he said, he saw them wearing these fig leaves, and he said, who told you that you were naked? So he, if you take the wrong approach to God, it always leads to two things. It produces a loss of innocence and shame because you're never good enough. I mean, as no matter how hard you try it, it's never good enough. So this story is, is so critical for you to understand. I want to take a few minutes to explain it to you in three simple steps so that you can make sure 
you're on the right path. Um, now, everyone here knows the story of Tarzan out in the jungle, right? How he swung on vines from tree to tree. Here's what I want to tell you. The tree of life and the tree of knowledge of the good and evil, there's a vine between them. And many times, even us, we're swinging from the tree of life one day to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil the next day. You know, I mean, I, let me, I'll give you, I'll tell you a story to, just to show it. And, you know, it always goes better. A young pastor asked me, how do, I, how do I make the people like my sermons? I'm like, well, give all the examples about you, then they feel better about themselves, right? I was at home. I was at home by myself, had a good morning, man, read my Bible, prayed. I was feeling energized. I was feeling spiritually alive, and I had to drive somewhere, so I got on 59. I got on 59 for two miles, and this big truck, and I have a truck, but this big truck came right on my bumper, and it's like beeping at me. I'm like, bro, I'm going five miles an hour over the speed limit. That's the limit for a pastor. I can do no more. You know, God gives us a little grace there. And, and and he's, you know, and he's doing like this and all kind of things. And so, you know, I, I resisted for a little bit. But finally I rolled down my window. I'm like, go around me, you know, go around me. And uh, the person pulled next to me, and it was someone I know. And he's like, hey, Terry, I got you. <laughs> the serpent is crafty. The serpent is crafty. But here's my point. <clears throat> it's very easy for us to go from living in grace and living in the tree of life and living the way we need to be in a relationship with Jesus, and it's so easy for us to turn and be critical of other people, to be judgmental of other people. And so it's, it, it, it's a very close connection. So what I want to do is I want to give you three, three guidelines to help you stay in the tree of life. First of all, one focuses on what you do. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One focuses on what you do. And one focuses on what Jesus has done. That's the difference right there. That's an approach. And so one focuses on what you do. You know, in fact, it's all about you. You know, you read the Bible out of obligation, duty, and you say things like that. Well, I used to read five chapters a day, but now I read ten. These new people coming to church, I doubt they even own a Bible. They, they, just, they just don't have it, you know. They're, 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 they're not. They're not at, at my level, you know. I attend church. Most every week I serve on a serve team, I, I tithe, all these other people come in. I, I'm not even sure if they're saved. You know, looking like I got it. But can I tell you something? You don't got it. And I don't have it, and our church doesn't have it. It's all about Jesus. It's not about what you do. It's not how long you've been a Christian. It's about what Jesus is doing, has done for you, and about what he's doing in your life today and your willingness to follow him. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. You know, see, one focuses on what Jesus has done. So here's the thing. <clears throat> we don't read the Bible to say we read it. We read the Bible to find the heart of Jesus. You know, if you've got to read six chapters to find what the Lord's telling you, read six chapters. It's not about how much you've read, but it's about finding the heart of Jesus. <clears throat> to, to show you a point, you know, the, the religious leaders the, the Jewish and, and the Jewish people today, they read, by the time they're, they're very young, they've memorized whole chapters of the Bible, can say it word for word. And these same people who had memorized whole chapters and books, whole books of the Bible, Jesus is standing right in front of them and they don't accept him. 
So, so you know, when, when someone starts telling me, well, I know the Bible, all this, all this, well, I, well, are you obeying it? Have you found the heart of God? It, it, you know, and don't get me wrong, I am for reading the Bible. I want you to read the Bible every day, but I want you to read it not to criticize others, not to make yourself feel better, but to see what Jesus is saying to you today. And so these Judaizers, Judaizers they came to Galatia, and, you know, they, 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 they're telling these brand-new Gentile Christians, you, you think you're something special? You think Jesus would accept you? You're not even circumcised. You don't even not only do you not follow the law, you don't even know the law. And, and trying to heap that on them. And, and so, again, it's not what you do. It's about what Jesus has already done. You know, when we focus, when we focus on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the wrong gospel, you know, it leads, it leads to legalism. And I tell you, as a pastor, I hate legalism more than anything. I hate it more than anything because more people are not going to church today because of legalism than anything else I know. Legalism is you have to look a certain way, you have to dress a certain way. I mean, you, I'm seriously. You, maybe you don't know. I mean, there, there's some churches where you can't have beards and you can't wear makeup. And listen, I'm, I'm not making fun of anything, but how I many you know it doesn't matter how you dress, just come to church and worship God. You know, there, there, there's one, there's one, there's one man in the church. I'm gonna say this, and he's here today, so I don't want to point him out. But he usually sits over in that section. In the summer, he comes with flip flops and shorts and a t-shirt every Sunday, and I am so jealous of him. I am so jealous of him. I'm like, man, that guy is really godly. He's not wasting time putting on his clothes. He's reading his Bible, coming to church, man. And it's it's funny when I was a youth pastor, I led hundreds of people to the Lord in shorts and flip flops. As a matter of fact, I told the rest of the staff, they'd always look at me when they come to staff meetings, I'm like, hey, you know, you, ought, you really ought to follow Jesus, you know, get some sandals and all that. But think about this. No, seriously, we have a legalism problem in church today. And not just in America, all around the world. But think about this. I had a young man come to, it's really surprised me, a young man came to church many years ago. And I went and talked to him afterwards, and he came, he says, he said, man, I love the church, but, you know, I just, I just don't like you. I'm like, well, that's, that would be a problem. You know, what don't you like? I said, I don't like your messages. I'm like, what's wrong with the messages? He said, you don't holler at people. The church he went to, the pastor just hollered and browbeat people for 40 minutes, an hour. I'm like, look, if I holler for 35 minutes, I get a headache. I'm not doing it, okay? And it really bothered him. Look, if you want to beat up, just come into my office one day a week, and I'll holler at you for about 10 minutes, but I'm not going to persecute the congregation. You know, that's just, that's just, but... In him, it wasn't Christianity because all he knew was he didn't know of going to church and receiving life and hope and principles that can change you. He went and he just got beat up. I had another person one time, a couple, and, um, they, you know, they came to church. And after a while, they left and didn't see me anymore. And I didn't know why or anything. And so they told another one of our, of our members one day, day that, yeah, we had to leave because, you know, the pastor wore a football jersey when he spoke one Sunday. I said it was Super Bowl Sunday. That's what the Holy Spirit wanted me to do. But 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 think about this. Uh, and my, my response was, well, tell me in the Bible, show me where I cannot wear a football jersey and I'll never wear one again. The church is not a dress-up contest. It's about following Jesus, you know? I mean, Paul said, I became all things to all people. I was just trying 
to become an outreach to all the people who have sold their souls to the NFL. That's all I was trying to do. I was trying to reach a few of them. Let's look at John 5, verse 39 through 40. It says this, this is Jesus speaking. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and have them. Matthew 28, 11, 28 through 30, Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now listen to what Jesus says. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not burden from following Jesus. The requirements are not going to weigh you down. It's simple. It's to the point. The second thing is, one gospel focuses on getting God's approval, and the other one focuses on receiving God's love. Think about it. That's, that, that's, a, that's a big difference. Many people inherently think that God is mad at them. You know they did a survey of Christianity by regions? And in the South, you know what people's view of God was? In the Bible Belt, the South, was that God was mad at them. That he was hard to please. And that, that, that is so far from the truth. When I was growing up many years ago, they had these little gospel tracks, and they were, they were called chick tracks. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Jack, jack chicks, okay? And they were really good in leading people to the Lord, but the only thing I didn't like about them was that they, they had God. God was always in the background of these things, and he was like on a, a big Abraham Lincoln seat, right? And he didn't even have a face. He just had light illuminating from him. And, and I'm thinking, you know, the Bible says, Psalms 102, that the God on high laughs. God, God has a sense of humor. He's not, he's, not mad at, he's not mad at you all the time. You know, when I was growing up, and I, I wasn't raised in church like that, but as a teenager and everything, I, I always felt like that, that if I didn't have a good week, that God was not happy with me. And how do you know that God just loves us? He just loves us. You know, he may not be happy at what you what you're doing or how you're living, but he he just loves you. When I was in the military, I always I couldn't have a local church because I was traveling so much. I, every month, I sent my tithe check back to my home church, and I sent a mission check too. And if I'd had a bad month, I added ten percent to it. I figured it couldn't hurt, <laughs> right? Can't hurt. Add some to it. Think about it. How many of you? Do young people today, have you even seen The Wizard of Oz? You know what The Wizard of Oz is? Young people, have you seen The Wizard of Oz? They've seen The Wizard of Oz. I'm telling you, I've been looking for deliverance in that movie for for 40 years. I saw that movie like seven years old. That movie will just mess with your soul. I I I mean, think about it. We represent the Lollipop Guild. I mean, come on. There's flying. There's flying monkeys. I mean, this is nuts, man. I need deliverance from that. But so check this out. When Dorothy finally gets to the wizard, she walks in there. Do you, do you remember this? The wizard says, "What do you want?" <laughs> I, I just want to go home. Go get the broom. You know, listen. That's some people's view of God. That you have to do something to make Him love you. And that that that's that's not the gospel that that we're wanting to. We focus on receiving 
God's love. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God loves you while you're, while before you came to him. He already loves you. And if you're just in sin now, don't know Jesus, you know, the thing is, he, he, he still loves you. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. See, I think we have the ability to love him because he's already demonstrated his love to us. The third thing is this. One focuses on external duties and one focuses on internal desires. One focuses on what you do externally and the other one focuses on your internal desires. 1 John 5, 3 and 12, it says this. This is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. Whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son does not have life. And so, but, but look at that. My commands, if you love God, you keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. That, that means that there's no way we can follow God out of legalism, out of religion, out of rules. We follow him because he loves us, and I want to become like him. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow him, and I'm, I'm just going to have a relationship with him. Now, let me, I'm going to close up with three quick things in about two minutes. So how do I make sure that I live in the tree of life? Number one, just fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. If we fall in love with Jesus, it'll take care of everything. You know, fall in love with Jesus. You know, if you're critical of other people, just stop. Stop. The only people that Jesus was ever critical of were, were the religious leaders. He didn't, he didn't criticize all the demon-possessed people he dealt with, the adulterers, the tax collectors. But he did tell them, don't sin anymore. Change your lifestyle, but go. You're forgiven. Sin no more. So listen, we, we've got to do that. The second thing is this, is don't allow condemnation to have any place in your life. Romans 8, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore... There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And the third thing is this. Make a choice every day to live in the tree of life. Make a choice every day. Today when I get up, it's about my relationship with Jesus. It's about following Him. It's about seeking Him, pursuing Him. And I, I'm not going to let the outside world get in there and change that. Deuteronomy 30, 19, this is what Moses said to the children of Israel. He says this. He says, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. And, 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 and I think the approach that Paul was trying to teach the church the churches in Galatia was choose life, choose grace, choose the relationship with Jesus, and don't be burdened down by all of the, by all the laws and circumcisions. And you know, it, it's not about what you do; it's just about accepting what Christ has done for us. Would you stand with me today? Praise the Lord! Did I encourage you this morning? Thank you, Lord. God, we come to you today. We come to you today.
And God, we realize that many of us were raised by looking at the wrong approach to you, God. We thought we had to measure up. We thought we had to do certain things, act a certain way. But Lord, the gospel that Jesus came with was a relationship that is surrendered to you, full of grace and mercy. And so God, right now I pray for family life and everyone here, Lord. And I just pray for anyone who's had a bad experience, and even our even Christians today, who've been, their approach to you, their approach to being godly, is through religion, through rules, through exercises, God. And I just pray you would deliver them from that, Lord. Just deliver them from that, God. And Lord, I pray our lives would be filled with grace and mercy. Lord, that our lives would be filled with just a passionate love for Jesus, just living for him, pursuing him, reading the Bible to learn more about him, God. The approach we take, Father, we realize, determines if we have life in us or if we have the life drained out of us. Now, God, I just I also pray today, Lord God, that as we leave here, Lord, that I just pray that everyone here this morning would be living in your inheritance, the inheritance that Jesus won for us. God, I pray again that we're going to be blessed in everything we do. God, you're blessing our families. You're blessing our marriages. You're blessing our careers. You're blessing our children. God, everything we put our hand to, I pray it would be full of life, God, and that you would increase it. In Jesus' name we prayed. Everyone said Amen. Guys, if you could help us set up the chairs today, that would be awesome.